Today is Palm Sunday. It's the, uh, the end of Lent. Did anybody fast? For Lent? That's a shame. Y'all ain't Christian. Y'all ain't Christian. Um, okay, so for those, the two of you, three of you <laughs> who fast, did anybody give up anything, maybe non-food? Okay, all right. Handful, handful. I'm not going to, I didn't either, so I'm, with, I'm right there <laughs> with those of you who ain't Christian. But no, so today is sort of a celebration because we're ending that. So those of you who gave up the things you gave up, you can have them now, right? So that's kind of good news. Yeah, maybe that's not how it's supposed to work, but that's how I always treated it. Um, at my a church I used to attend when I was in college, we would do um, a Daniel fast during this time, which if you're not familiar with that, basically we would, we would just not eat. We'd eat grains and vegetables. We'd eat what Daniel ate um, in the Old Testament, that story. And so by the time Palm Sunday rolled around, we were all starving. So we were very excited <laughs> on this particular holiday. And without fail, our pastor would always say, now don't go in there because we'd always have like a, a big meal. He's like, don't go in there and overdo it. You know, you've been fasting. You need to gradually eat. No one would take that advice. And we would all end up sick as dogs when we left the church, but we were happy. So this is, you know, this is a good time. I have good memories about this day. Um, all right. So for the past few Sundays, we have been sort of grappling with the question of What is keeping you from fearlessly following Jesus with your entire life? And that is what we have meditated on during this Lenten season. What is it? What are those things that prevent us from following Jesus just with reckless abandon? We want to, right? We all say we want to. That's the desire of our heart, to just be passionate, to just be full on. But there's something that keeps us from doing it. There's something that blocks us from actually living that kind of life. And the last few Sundays that um, I've preached, I've proposed some answers to that. I am convinced that the reason we are not able to follow Jesus with our whole lives, that the reason we don't just go for it, is because we don't really believe he is who he said he is, right? We don't really believe he loves us like he says he loves us. Like, you, okay, God is love. Jesus, you died for me. But you, you can't for real, for real love me right? I mean, you see what I do. You can't really, really, nah, okay, kind of. We believe, sort of, that God wants what's best for us. Sure, you know, God has a plan for us. He wants to prosper, a hope, and a future, all that good stuff, right? But we don't, for real, for real, believe he's actually powerful enough to make that happen, right? So he calls us to something, and we say, I believe the Lord has called me to this, but we don't actually think he can, you know, get me there, <laughs> And so what most of us do is we say, God, thank you so much. That is an awesome plan. I got it from here. <laughs> God, I, I love you. I love you. I, I follow you with my hope. Wait, what? What? You, where? Do you want me to go? God, I'm committed to you. I'm passionate. I'm on fire. Yes, I'm going to do what you say do. I'm gonna, yeah, well, you want me to where? Do you, but do you know who, who's there? I don't, that doesn't make good sense. <laughs> I think that most of us, when we get to this point where God's plan and our plan don't quite line up, our natural tendency is to say, I got it. I I got it from here. That's so cool. You love me. You want me to prosper? Me too. I'm going to go do that now. I'll let you know when I need you again. When we get to that place where God's path from getting us to point A to point B starts to defy all earthly logic... (laughs) 
we say, all, all right, Lord, that's, I, you know, I want to be there too, um, but that don't make no good sense, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it this way. And if you could bless this path, that'd be awesome. <laughs> because we don't fully believe that he is who he said he is, that he can do what he said he can do. But there is good news. And I think that Palm Sunday, this Sunday, what we are celebrating, speaks directly to this tendency that is in all of us. So as Pastor David said, today is a commemoration of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Um, And it starts Passion Week, which commemorates this final week of Jesus' life, all of the things that he walked through up until the cross, dying, being buried, and then we have Easter where he was raised. Um, And we're going to go ahead and get into our text today because I believe that... um, The scene that happens on Palm Sunday, the crowd that surrounds Jesus, I believe that there is a message of hope for us, and I hope that you will be encouraged today. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 11, um, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10. I'll go ahead and start reading for you. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany and the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied to a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So this is the word of God for them. Amen. Um, This word, uh, Hosanna, is an interesting one. It literally means save, please. And it's a word that was transliterated from a Hebrew phrase, Hosanna. And this phrase is found in one place in the Old Testament, um, Psalm 18.25. And I'm going to read that passage to you, the whole, you know, the first few verses before it and after it. Um, It reads, open for me, beginning at verse 19, open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Lord, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord from the house of the Lord. We bless you. So as you can see in this passage, this phrase, um, Lord, please save, or Lord, save us, as it's translated, um, it's couched in this really hopeful context, right? The, The psalmist here is saying, Lord, save us, but you can tell that he believes wholeheartedly that God is able and willing to save. And I say this because as time progressed, right, 
This phrase, sort of, which meant initially, please save, came to mean salvation has come. It came to be a hopeful thing. Um, a theologian, John Piper, says it this way. Something happened to that phrase, Hoshiana. In the psalm, it was immediately followed by the exclamation, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The cry for help was answered almost before it came out of the psalmist's mouth. And over the centuries, the phrase Hoshiana stopped being a cry for, the, for help in the ordinary language of the Jews. Instead, it became a shout of hope and exaltation. It used to be what you would say when you fell off the diving board, but it came to be what you would say when you see the lifeguard coming to save you. It is the bubbling over of a heart that sees hope and joy and salvation on the way and can't keep it in. It is the bubbling up of a heart that sees hope and joy and salvation on the way and can't keep it in. And this is what the people were shouting as Jesus entered the city. Salvation, salvation has come. Salvation belongs to God. Thanks be to God. Salvation has come. Now, um, when we went through our Matthew series, how many folk remember the Matthew series? Wasn't that awesome? Mm-hmm. So Pastor David preached about this moment in Jesus' ministry um, as it was told by Matthew. And uh, this is, so this is Jesus' triumphant entry. And the thing that struck me, the thing that stayed with me, is the significance of Jesus sort of coming in on this donkey. Here he is, he's coming in, he's entering as the king, and yet he chooses to enter in on this lowly donkey. He doesn't ride in on a stallion. He comes in this very humble way. And Jesus' choice to do this is sort of a symbolic um, representation of what the kingdom would look like. He's saying, it's not going to be what you think it's going to be. It's not going to look like what you think it's going to look. I am not going to be king in the way you think king should be. And so every time I read this passage, that's what I see. I see Jesus on this donkey, and that's the image that strikes me. But this week as I was studying this passage, my attention turned to the crowd. That's what captured me. The people see Jesus coming in on a donkey, and they don't look at him upside the head. I mean, if we think about what's going on, these people have heard about this Jesus. Many of them have seen him do these miracles. They've heard all this stuff. Hey, it seems like one is coming. The Messiah might be here. People are saying this dude is it, and he's coming. Hosanna in the highest. They believe it. They're excited. They believe that they are seeing something. They are seeing this person that they have been waiting for, the long-expected one. Salvation has come. And he comes on a donkey But no one questions it. So as I thought about this, I I was struck um, by how interesting that is. Why? What did they see? How did they interpret what Jesus was doing? I am a firm believer that what we think about things, our worldview, our perceptions, can literally impact what we see. (laughs) And I don't mean figuratively, like, oh, you know... I mean, like, the way your eyes work, (laughs) the way you think about things, your perception of the world, it can impact the way your eyes and your ears work. Um, When I was growing up, I used to wear my hair wrapped in African headdress all the time. 
And <laughs> without fail, when I'd be walking up the street, you know, some, some guy would come up, hey, sister, how you doing? How you doing, sister? How, how, what's going on? What's your name? My name is Michelle, right? Very, it's just, it's Michelle. So I would say this to people, Michelle, say, what? Like, really? It, my, Michelle? Because <laughs> they expected to hear me say, you know, Abayomi. They expected to hear something African, something that was going to be hard to pronounce. And again, it wouldn't matter what I had said, it was going to be hard to pronounce. Because look at me, I'm deep, I'm sister, right? What they perceived of me literally changed the way they could hear. <laughs> you can pronounce Michelle. I have a friend I'm in my program. He is, um, did anybody watch A Different World growing up or catch reruns, right? Yes, okay, so you guys remember Dwayne Wayne? So Dwayne Wayne is, he can't be more nerdy, cool than Dwayne Wayne, right? He's just a little skinny, he was a nerd, right? So this guy, he's a friend of mine, and he is kind of like Dwayne Wayne, like an Afrocentric Dwayne Wayne. <laughs> uh, and one day uh, at our school, and a teacher I was TAing for who was just in a really um, special person, um, he came in to watch one of us give our presentation in class. We were lecturing to the students, and he, he comes in. And so I, I, my friend is sitting down with this professor and talking, and he's giving feedback about the lecture. And he says to her, why, why do you have to bring your bodyguard? And she's like, what, my bodyguard? Wait, what? Who, who are you talking about? I just looked up and I see this big black dude in the classroom. Why, why'd you bring a bodyguard? We're like, what? are you talking about Todd? Little skinny? He's about my height. He may be smaller than me. <laughs> and he's a nerd. He's like a Kwame. He's just the biggest thing on, on this dude is his smile. But he's dark skin. Very, very, very dark. And so his black skin gave him about five inches and a hundred pounds. <laughs> like, when my, and mind you, I mean, the guy who's saying this is like the size of three of my friends. But in his eyes, he saw this big imposing figure. What we think about things impacts how we see. It impacts how we hear. And so when I read this story, I wondered, what did these people see when Jesus came in? I bet if someone, let's say someone missed it, and they were walking through the crowd, and they're like, hey, what just happened? What's with all the palm branches on the ground? What happened? Girl, the Messiah just rolled up in here. He was on this big old stallion, and he came. He had like a big posse behind him. It was awesome. <laughs> I bet they didn't even see the donkey. <laughs> They had heard about who this man was, and they had expectations about what he was going to be doing, what that meant for this moment in their lives. They had expectations, and I believe that they saw him through that. So when they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, salvation has come, we know that that's true. But I don't think they, they knew so much what they were saying. And I, I know that is true because if we turn just a few days later, we go a few days further into this story, we get to Mark 15. We're going to see that the crowd's response changes dramatically. You can turn your Bibles there. We're going to start at verse, verse 1, and I'm just going to read the passage. It says, very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin made their plan. So they bound Jesus and led him away to, and handed him to Pilate. 
Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now, it was custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison um, with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. What happened? (laughs) On Monday, salvation has come. Hosanna. And now crucify him. See, um, I have always struggled, especially when I was a new Christian, with songs that have Hosanna. So this Sunday, I was cracking up when we started singing. I'm like, of course. These are the songs, (laughs) which, of course, makes sense. It's Palm Sunday. That's what you should sing. But I always struggled with that. Um, There's a Kirk Franklin song that sings Hosanna, and literally by the end of it, they're shouting. Kirk Franklin is shouting, Hosanna, we love you. And I just cannot sing the song because in my mind, I'm like, the last time people shouted Hosanna at Jesus, it didn't end well (laughs) for Jesus. It's just weird to me. It's always been this, like, tension that I have. Like, I don't know how I feel about saying that word. Now, of course, you know, right, that we're saying, we're proclaiming that he was, in fact, salvation. He was our Savior. But it's still weird, right? Hosanna in the highest, crucify him in a week's time. So I think that what happens to us is that we don't see Jesus We say, Hosanna, Hosanna, salvation has come. God, we love you, we trust you. Oh, but then something happens, (laughs) and we have to actually see him. I think that Palm Sunday ought to give us pause. I think that this Sunday, more than any other Sunday, we ought to take time to reflect on what do we think about Jesus? Who do you say that he is. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Uh, But not if you are asking me to do that thing. Salvation, salvation has come. But do you know what I did? God, trust you, I love you, I'll serve you with my whole life. Um, Not that part though. On this Sunday, I think we ought to reflect about who it is, who it really is that we say that he is. See, I think that we are very much like this crowd. If we are honest, 
we get in here and we sing about how much we love the Lord and we want to serve him and we get outside and get in our cars and no sooner than we have gotten past that first light, we've gone off on somebody for not driving, right? right? And I'm, and I'm going to say, ouch, because that's me. <laughs> Horrible. Oh, I'm so bad. I need to work on that. We walk away from this place feeling hopeful and inspired like, yes, God is so good. And then Monday comes. And we're right back to that same place that we were in. Well, I don't know. I I can't live life like that. I can't do that thing, Lord, because don't you know i got a family to feed. I've got places to be. I've got things that I have to do. You can't possibly be telling me to do that, Lord. I'm still single. Ain't no men there. Where am I finding somebody? Lord, what, what? You can't possibly be asking me to do that. I can't behave like a Christian on my job. Do you know how competitive my industry is? I can't be like that, Lord. What? How can I be the way you've called me to be? On Sunday, we're following him passionately. And by Monday, we have already started to say in our own way, crucify him. I'm not doing that. So what is it? See, I believe that this is what happens when we see the donkey. And you realize, like, oh, snap. He's on a donkey. <laughs> oh, so you, you meant for real take up my cross and follow you. Okay, okay. That's not what I had planned. <laughs> a lot of us grew up in churches where we believe that Jesus, if he were here today, he would wear blue jeans on Saturday would have invested in all of the top Fortune 500 companies. We believe, we were taught that capitalism was a God-ordained economic system and that American and Christian were synonymous. We move through our life and we don't give pause. We don't give a second thought to the things that we buy, to the things that we say, to the things that we do. To the None of that. Because what? I'm Christian. <laughs> and everybody around me is a Christian. And this is good. And then one day, somebody tells you that that, that's not quite so. Then one day, you open your Bible and you see, wait, hold up. Did Jesus tell that dude to sell all that he had and follow him? What? At some point in our Christian faith, who God really is bumps up against who we believe God is. And when that happens, our response is often, "Uh, not so much, Lord, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. So, what am I not going to tell you? Well, unfortunately, I'm not going to tell you that I can fix it. (laughs) I am not going to present to you next a biblical path towards getting rid of that thinking. I am convinced that for as long as we breathe, we will have wrong perceptions of Jesus. I am convinced that coming to know who he is, coming to truly see him as he is, is a lifelong pursuit. But on this Sunday, we are reminded that there is good news. There is good news. See, God you even our unbelieving, fickle hearts to bless us. When that crowd shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, salvation has come, they believed that they were saying, this ruling king who's going to come and wipe out this occupying terror forces, 
dude who's going to shake things up and restore us Jews to the place that we ought to have been, that man has come. Well, that's not who was actually come. And they started to see that. And so when they crucified him, Jesus allowed himself to be crucified, not looking much like a king. He allowed himself to go to a cross and he showed us ultimately on Easter that he is, in fact, salvation. It don't look the way we thought it was going to look, but hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Because when he rose, what he said, you didn't see me in the right way. I know when I rolled up that you said, Hosanna, salvation has come. You didn't know what that meant. I know that when you said, I will follow you, Jesus, I love you, you don't fully know what that means. I know when I called you to go to that place, I know that when I called you to do that particular thing and you said, yes, Lord, I receive it, I accept it, I know you didn't fully get what that meant for you. But guess what? That can't get in the way of me blessing you because I am salvation. (laughs) Salvation had, in fact, Um, in fact, did belong to our Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. See, that's the good news. We will always struggle. (laughs) We will always get punkish come Monday (laughs) and not quite be able to go there the way we thought we were going to be able to go there on Sunday. But even that cannot block God's for your life. So, what am I absolutely not saying? I am not saying to you today that the way you think about God doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. Growing in our knowledge and our understanding of who God is ought to be the sole, a top priority of your life. What I am saying to you is that we're not going to get it immediately. But we press. We should be in our words. We should be on our knees. The cry of our heart should be, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you, God. I want to see you for who you are. And we can trust that the Holy Spirit will teach us. The Holy Spirit will instruct us. And we will always be growing and moving towards this complete being that God has called us to be. But in that space in the middle... (laughs) In those moments where you see the donkey and you realize it is actually a donkey and you get scared and you say, that is not what I had in mind, even though God is still able to save. God is still the one on the throne who has a plan for your life and who is working all things together for your good. That is the good news. So worship team uh, can start to come. So what does this mean for us practically? Um, the hope that we have in Christ is that we, he will complete the good work that he has begun in us. One day we are going to see him face to face. One day we will know him fully. But in the meantime, what we ought to be doing, we need to be people who are diligent about our study of the word. That's not something that we should take lightly. We ought to be people who are diligent about prayer. If you're looking for practical application, that's how you can practically apply it. We ought to be people who are constantly praying, God, show me who you are. 
God, teach me to trust you. God, teach me to follow you. God, help me to surrender. Holy Spirit, teach my heart to yield and to trust. This morning, we're going to take communion, and I think that um, this is an awesome opportunity for us every time we do it to remember this very thing. God says, look, y'all, I love you so much. This is my body. I'm going to allow it to be broken for you. You can trust me. I am so passionately devoted to you. I am so committed to you. This is my blood. I'm going to let it be shed for you. You can follow me. I'm not the one that's going to leave you. I won't do that. This is how committed I am to you. See, that's what this reminds us of. When we shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, salvation has come. Know that, yes, tomorrow you might be saying crucify him. But even in that, there is grace. Even in that, there is hope. The same crowd of people who shouted Hosanna one day, crucify him the next day. Because of what Jesus did, we're able to say, forgive me, Father, the day after. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Forgive me, Father. And there was grace. There was forgiveness. There was love. There was mercy. That God is a God who is made strong when you are in those moments. That God is a God who is able to reveal himself in an even more powerful way when you are in those times. I know in my life, the places that I have gotten to, the, the, the revelations that I have about God, the insights that I have about God have come in the midst of my most disobedient moments. When I was being most rebellious, it was when God showed me, this is who I am. Because it's that vision that got me out of that rebellion. <laughs> and those are the things that I cling to. And I know as I keep living and I keep walking, I'm going to have more times like that. And God will reveal himself again and reveal new aspects of himself again. That is the good news. And it is good news. <laughs> so my prayer um, for you all this morning is that the eyes of your hearts will be opened. My prayer is that you will continually be asking the Holy Spirit for deeper deeper revelation. And I know that God will do it. I know that he will answer that prayer. Pray with me. Father, I thank you that you are who you are, regardless of what we think you may be. I thank you, Father, that you are on the throne that you are our hope, you are our future, you are our... <laughs> we are constantly changing. We are constantly going back and forth and struggling and failing and falling, but you are always steady. You are always the same. You are always who that that would give us comfort on this day. My prayer for us is that you would show yourself to us. Show yourself to us. Reveal yourself to us. 
As we move through this world, God, I pray that you would show us your heart. That each day that we walk, Lord, would be a day that we get a new, a fresh revelation of who you are. My prayer is that we would earnestly seek it. That we would never be content to see you on a donkey. To not see the donkey. I pray, God, that we would desire to see who you are in the fullness of who you are, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you challenge us. I thank you that you teach us. I thank you that you discipline us, Lord but God. But more importantly, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that in those times when we fail, I thank you that in those times where we are wrong because our perception of you is wrong, I thank you that you are still a gracious, loving Father and that you are right there to bring us back, to restore us, and to give us even deeper and new insight into your love, into your grace, into your mercy, into your care for us. So God, we give you praise, and we exalt you, and we do say Hosanna in the highest, because that is the truth. Our salvation has come. God, we love you, Lord. We lift you high. In Jesus' name, amen. There's something, I think, built into our humanity that seeks to create God in our own image. I think this is one of the things Michelle is reminding us of today. We think of of the, the Hebrew children. Moses disappears for a couple days up on the mountain, and they fashion for themselves an, an idol, one that would have made sense maybe to the nations around them, but certainly had nothing to do with the God who had just rescued them from their bondage. Um, there, there's this thing in us that wants to do that to God, that wants to make God, to domesticate to capture him somehow in a way that makes sense to us. And Jesus, right before he, he's arrested, he sits down and he eats with his disciples, and, and, and part of the meal is the bread and the wine. And Jesus says, when you do this, when you gather, when you celebrate this meal, what does he say? He says, remember me. Not your conception of me. Remember me. And and who is Jesus? Jesus is the bread and the blood. Jesus is God taking on flesh and then giving his life for us, taking on our suffering, taking on our frailty, taking on our sin. This is not an image of God we would choose to fashion for ourselves. This is a God who embraces weakness, a God who embraces suffering for us. And so what we're doing today as we're obedient to Christ's command to celebrate his supper, what we're doing is a direct antidote to what Michelle put in front of us today. We are remembering God. We're looking at the donkey. Looking at who God is as God comes to us. And so in a few minutes when we invite you forward to break off a piece of bread and to dip it in the cup... We're not just being obedient to our God. We're setting aside all of the idols that have accumulated around us. We're reminding ourselves that 
the, the, the God who we worship and have become comfortable worshiping may in fact not be the God who we have encountered in the scriptures, may not in fact be a God who would go to the cross. And so this is the invitation for you this morning as you come forward. The invitation is to, to set aside any conception of who God is that is self-serving, that is self-centered, that is tame, and instead to embrace the God who gave God's life for us. A God who was betrayed, the God who was denied, the God who suffered so that we could be rescued, so that we could be saved, so that we could be liberated. The God who would do all of this, the God who would step into our humanity so that the creation itself could be restored, so that the kingdom of God could come on earth as it is in heaven. This is the invitation for you today. It's not a ritual. It's not something we're just doing to do. We're worshiping together in this way. And so I ask you to join me now in this prayer of confession of our sins, the way that we have made God into our own image. Renee, can you put that slide up there? The confession of sin. It should be right just after the sermon slide. I'll pray this on our behalf. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Holy Spirit, bring to mind, bring to our hearts now any ways that we have formed you in our own image. Holy Spirit of God, show us again. Show us again yourself today. Church, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us all of our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. All right, Sonia to come up to help me serve the Lord's Supper. Also, our prayer team members uh, who are available. Uh, we'll just be off to the sides uh, during communion. They would love to pray for you for healing, for any anxiety that you're experiencing in life, for anything that you're facing. Um, maybe you're kind of right in that moment that Michelle talked about today where you have said yes to something that God has asked you to do, but now you're beginning to realize what that actually means. They'd love to pray for you today for courage, for strength, for conviction. Now hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as they were delivered by the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took a loaf of bread 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. It is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. O Lord of all, we offer our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to you, presenting to you from your creation this bread and this cup. Gracious God, we pray that you will send your Holy Spirit on these gifts, that they may be the sacrament of the body of Christ and the blood of the new covenant. Unite us to your Son in his death and resurrection, that we may be acceptable through him, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ and bring us to that heavenly feast, where with all your saints will be gathered in glory everlasting. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, the firstborn of all creation, the head of the church and the author of our salvation. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. When you are ready, I invite you to stand, come forward. Again, take a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup, and be reminded today of who our God is. Um, I hope that you all will join us and stay for this potluck. Um, My prayer is that you go from this place and this week, every day, but this week especially, try to see the donkey. (laughs) Let that be our prayer. God, open the eyes of my heart that I may see you, that I may see how you are moving and what you are doing, that I may see who you are. I pray that you guys will be blessed. Bye.